And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the Internet now. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Welcome back to the latest edition of The Audible, presented by Trader Joe's. I'm Bruce Feldman, joined as always by Stuart Mandel. Stuart, it was supposed to be a dud weekend in... By the way, I don't know if I've ever called you Stuart. I know, I just chuckled. You must have must have been a late night for you. Yeah, it was a long day. Um, but uh, it was supposed to be an awful weekend of games. And in truth, really... There's what, no such thing as an awful... No, there player. isn't. What we find out is the, the weekend where there's not compelling head-to-head matchups between top 15 kind of teams. And obviously, there wasn't that this weekend. But the games were wild almost from the start. Uh, lots of unpredictable stuff. Um, we're going to get into all of that today. Um, kind of a wild... I'll be honest, it was a wild saturday for me because we had our we were back in boulder for big noon uh we had gronk there there was a it was like a full-blown party there with lil wayne it was i'd never seen anything quite like it from from our pregame crew and it was just the energy was insane and for them to have that you know boulder was the epicenter of the college football world this weekend and it was wild all the way to the double overtime squeaker for them to get out of there with a win so you've been saying that Colorado is the biggest story in sports, and I've been a little bit dismissive, but I got a little window into that, I think, last night. Um, what it is, is that it has transcended, you know, there's college football is the second most popular sport in the country, but it still feels at times like it's regional, region, not regional, but small. It's certainly smaller in popularity, much smaller than the NFL. And there's a lot, and it's not really, you know, it's not really the focal point of national shows, right? On ESPN, FS1, whatnot. Where I think I realized how big this is getting is it wasn't just the pregame shows that went to Boulder this week. It was a lot of ESPN's other shows. 60 Minutes was there. 60 Minutes. And then last night, you know, this is a game that didn't kick off to almost 1030 Eastern. And then it goes into double overtime. But you could tell from Twitter, people are watching and not just and I wrote about this in Final Thoughts, not just fellow college football writers. Bill Simmons never mentions college football ever. He's talking about Coach Prime. Uh, I did a rant. I did a search afterward and uh, just to see, like, what random celebrity types are, are tweeting about this game. Vivica A. Fox. Prominent uh, actress, though, maybe more popular in the 90s and 2000s. Um, just it's just uh and then you mentioned of course i'm gonna be honest i didn't know who that rapper was that queen kessinich was interviewing but that's because i'm not hip uh you know to see dwayne johnson there on the sideline uh all of these other types like it has transcended college football it is now Deion sanders is has gained this huge following among i would say the public at large or at least sports fans at large 
which makes sense because he's such a bigger name than I would say any college football coach not named Nick Saban. Like if you were asked the average person in America, way more of them are going to know who Deion Sanders is than Kirby Smart is, right? So yeah. that's that's what's crazy. And then of course I'm, the fact that they keep delivering. I mean, they they shouldn't have had to go to double overtime to beat Colorado State, but they did. And now we just ramp this thing up again for next week. I thought, um, you know, so I did this big story on the woman really behind him this week, Constance Schwartz Marini. She is the woman behind Michael Strahan's transition from NFL D lineman to a megastar in the entertainment world. And she was Snoop, she worked with Snoop Dogg and she has, you know, Aaron Andrews. She has a lot of big clients who are way bigger than just the one thing that they're first known for. And so when I was at practice last Friday, you know, there was a couple of Nike executives there um, because now Dion is back with Nike. He's been an Under Armour for a long time. And he like, I think I told you, like there was a bunch of NBA guys at practice and Terrell Owens and all these guys were, you know, Wu-Tang was coming in, like just big pop culture people, big people around the sports world. And the only comparison that um, the Nike guy said he could make for college football was back 20 years ago when Pete Carroll had a role in a USC and you'd have Will Ferrell and Snoop Dogg there. But he also pointed out, you know, Pete Carroll was charismatic for a college football coach. He ain't Snoop Dogg. And he, and he he's certainly not Deion Sanders. And so when you like Dion came on our set for a while yesterday on big noon, he had done college game day earlier. And I remember thinking, cause you know, we don't get to see any of the college game day show. Cause we're, you know, busy on our own thing. But I remember saying this to somebody, I was like, you know, it's like, you don't wonder how was Dion? Cause you know, Dion's always good when he's in front of a camera and he's always compelling. And so you have this fascination and the business side of it, which was a lot of that was covered in the story of how this thing is exploding, like, and just keeps growing and growing and growing. Now it's the sunglasses before it was certain, you know, they were, they, you couldn't buy any of this stuff of the, I ain't hard to find all of a sudden it's impossible to find because they can't print it fast enough because the business is unlike anything we've ever seen as it relates to college football. And the fact that they're three and O, I think this, I don't want to say what they're doing on the field is a subplot to this because that's not fair to say that, but they are such a fascination right now because primarily because of Dion's um, personality, which is nothing like we've ever seen in college football. It's just it's not, not. And it's not just Dion. I mean, Shadur went into his, you know, they, they went to Sports Center and then they immediately, almost immediately got him on for an interview and he'd already put on his cap, his sunglasses and his watch and he was flexing his watch like he does during the game like that's that doesn't normally happen nothing about it is typical but they know what but they know what they're doing because it's a show they're it they're delivering a show 24 7 because they have whether it's camera phone video they have all these different programs that are maybe they're not you know like on your linear tv channel but they are everything is 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 operating like this and i think because of that they're almost always on and it's it's fascinating to see now i, I don't think you know they were fortunate to win you know colorado state had a lot of penalties and was 
was pretty sloppy and obviously it was a hugely emotional game from everything that went on you know with the jay norvell comments that really like this was the first time i know it's you know they the players and Dion had said it was personal before with with matt rule and there was kendall Bryle stuff from tcu this to me actually felt different so it just got um uh, it was hot the whole time i'm sure next week with dan lanning's comments when colorado left uh the pac 12 to go to the big 12 and he was like what have they won kind of thing that'll get played up i'm sure but it's not like what we just had and so man it it for and i'm sure there's a lot of people who are probably sick of this right now oh yeah because they're either they're just they don't like dion or they just feel like it's just too much but you're going to get a lot more of it now because now well, they have huge games coming up what's unusual is we don't usually fixate this much on one team during the season right even i mean it really does i mean the only thing i can think of is you remember how much interest there was in the matt liner reggie bush usc teams especially the, the but it was a different media times too there was yeah. not this was before twitter before instagram before a lot of stuff you could get video on phones it's just way different there's so there's not usually this much attention paid to one team but what I would say is, first of all, we would not keep writing the stories if people weren't reading them and people are definitely reading them. But also, uh, what what have we heard as a major complaint of this sport for years? You guys always write about the same four teams. You're all you ever talk about is Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, et cetera. Well, out of the from rising from the ashes, you have new blood. You have Colorado, the least the team you would have least expected to be in this position. And it's, to me, it's just refreshing. It's different. It's refreshing. Um, it's exciting. They play an exciting style of football. Should they have had to go to double overtime to beat a Mountain West team? No, but they did. And it made for quite an ending um, with Shador leading them 98 yards down the field at the end. I'm, I can't wait for him against Bo Nix. I do think that last night, not enough attention was placed early on on Travis Hunter's injury. And this is a guy who, after week one, we were like, this might be the, he might be the best player in college football. You're talking and, specifically on the broadcast here. Yeah, on the broadcast, because, you know, there they are, they're, they're struggling. They're not throwing the ball like they have, you know, in the first two games, really until probably the fourth quarter. And it's, well, who's his favorite receiver? He has other good receivers, but who's his guy? Travis Hunter. And I'm sure that disrupted the rhythm a little bit. And we're none of us have been trying to claim that they have a good defense. They don't. And Colorado State has a I – mean, I was very impressed with their quarterback and the two receivers, and and they took advantage of that. So am I inclined to say they're going to go beat Bo Nix and Oregon and Eugene? Probably not. But didn't think they'd beat TCU. Uh, midway through the fourth quarter, certainly thought they were going to lose that game last night. So there's a lot of big games next week. Ohio State, Notre Dame, uh, prime time, huge game, obviously. A lot of others as well. But, you know, that's probably the one I'm most excited to see, which is strange to say. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. 
Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply. Don't just ride the index. Seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. You know what else is strange to say? Alabama's not good. They're not. They're just not good. <laughs> Last week it was, well, they'll, they'll you know, Jalen Milrow had a bad game. Texas must be really good. I mean, USF, this isn't just some random group of five team. USF has been terrible for years. And Alex Golish trying to get it turned around, obviously, certainly can happen. It's not like USF has never won in football. But it was three to three midway through the third quarter. And Nick Saban's trying every quarterback he can find. It was like, you see this happen to teams sometimes. You don't see it happen to Alabama. And man, do they have a, I mean, it's, you know, the way he handled the quarterback situation, I kept waiting for him to say, all right, we tried the other two guys. Let's bring in the guy who at least has experience and, Certainly, you know, completed some long throws. Nope. He just rode Ty Simpson to the end. And Ty Simpson was completely ineffective. Kept getting sacked. That's the other thing. I don't want to blame the quarterback entirely. The pass protection issues you saw against Texas, which this is somewhat understandable. A, this was supposed to be one of the best lines they've had. And they have some kids who don't look like they're ready to play right now. Well, they're relying on a freshman at left tackle. And five-star or not, he's a freshman. And he's really struggling. Um, they're going to play Ole Miss this week. I don't, I don't know. Will they be the underdog? You never see Alabama as an underdog in these kind of games, but they probably should be because Jackson Dart, I have, I know what I'm getting from him much more than I know what I'm getting from whoever he decides to play a quarterback next week. Alabama is last in the SEC in completion percentage. They are second to last in passing offense and in the, and they are 70th in the country in in quarterback rating. 70th. Um, I can't remember. I'm surprised it's that high. Well, you got to remember, there's a bunch of other teams who are like breaking in new quarterbacks who are either, um, you know, it's just, I, I, it's, and they also had a first game where their quarterback actually did look good. You know, right. they, they played three games. So it's really the last two weeks has been, you know, pe- people were really hyped about Jalen Milrow till about eight o'clock last Saturday night. And now all of a sudden, there's I'm sure there's major panic around. I think the one saving grace, to be honest, for the Alabama, and I know this is going to make anybody feel great, is the rest of the SEC looks very underwhelming. I mean, I don't know how you like, you know, when you looked at, to me, the most shocking showing and I don't, I, you know, we haven't talked about this offline was what happened in Gainesville. Like Florida whipped the vault. It wasn't like it was like a close game. I mean, I felt like the score was like not even in, indicative of just like domination. This Florida team looked absolutely nothing like the team that went to Utah and was completely looked unprepared. And this team played with an energy and an edge. And all of a sudden the balls team 
you know, like it's too soon to say this, but like, you know, Tennessee's back last year and they had an amazing season with Hendon Hooker at the quarterback spot and two receivers, Jalen Hyatt, you know, obviously, you know, guys going on to the NFL on a top 15 offensive tackle. Um, they like people love Joe Milton's arm strength. There's they they just look like they were not ready to go. You know, there's a bunch of weird stuff that happened with them. I thought they were going to be a, the third best team in the SEC, um, or at least, you know, maybe fourth. I don't know where you would, like, if you were doing SEC power rankings, you know, it wasn't like Georgia looked great. They were down 14 to three at home to South Carolina. Spencer Rattler was picking them apart. And then his, you know, and his best receiver got hurt in the game, Juice Wells. Um, you know, eventually Georgia got going and woke up. But if you were doing like the six best teams in the SEC, who you have confidence you think could could be a like it, let's imagine next year is the playoff. Look, we're at next year and there's a twelve team playoff. Which teams in order in the SEC would you feel confident deserve would deserve a spot in there? Mm, I'm not. I mean, it's a little early in the season to be thinking through that, but. All right, I got. I, I let me let me instead just respond to a few things you said. Okay. First of all, going back to Alabama for a, for a quick second, the only silver lining to me was in the second half, Roydell Williams took over at running back, and I was like, all right, well now I know what their identity is going to be the rest of the season. It's going to be like the season where they just rode Derrick Henry. I think that's what they'll try to do. I also think that in a weird way, now Saban can bring Jalen Milrow back which I, I have to assume he will. And now people won't be clamoring for him to be benched because he's their, your best of your three options. Tennessee, yeah, I mean, it seems like, I mean, you remember, um, you talk about hype trains. We were, we all got sucked into the Tennessee offense last year. Remember, they were undefeated. They were number one in the country in the playoff rankings leading into that Georgia game. And we had stories where we were talking to opposing coaches. Can anybody stop this offense? And Georgia absolutely did. And I don't know if they broke Tennessee at that point, but it hasn't been quite the same since then. They've actually lost three of their last five SEC games. And to your point, I mean, it's not just that, I mean, I don't think Joe Milton is Hendon Hooker, but Jalen Hyatt was such a good receiver last year. And I, they don't seem to have a guy like that. Um, their best offensive lineman is out right now, and it showed. Uh, I don't think, look, credit to Florida. One prediction I probably got wrong, I don't think Billy Napier is going to get fired. That was a very encouraging win. But I also don't think Florida is a top 15 team. I just think Tennessee laid an egg there. So, okay, which team? I'm, I'm not giving up on LSU. They were probably the most impressive SEC team yesterday against Mississippi State. They dominated that game. I think Jaden Daniels only had two incompletions the whole game. Uh, and some, and then Harold Perkins was all over the field. I think as time goes on, that Florida State game will look less a reflection of who they are. And then call me crazy, but I'm not hitting any panic buttons about Georgia. To me, when we talk about these top teams, we tend to get so hypercritical that we can't even tolerate like a team can have a bad half. To me, I'm much more concerned about Tennessee, who lost by 12 points, right? Mm -hmm. um, or 
you know, teams that have to go all the way, like Alabama, we have to go all the way down to the wire to put away a bad team versus Georgia had a bad first half and they came out and they totally controlled the second half. Does that mean they're going to three-peat? I'm not going there yet. I mean, I don't think as of this moment they are, they are certainly not clicking on offense to the extent they were last season. But do you do you say, oh, it's not a good defense when they gave up two early touchdowns and then shut them out the rest of the way? Like, I'm not, I don't put them in the same category as some of these other teams. I I would agree with you. I wouldn't either. Um, I just felt like they were going to, and it's probably unfair to think college kids are going, even if it's a, you know, a team that's won two national titles in a row, are going to roll everybody. Um, you know, I think the the thing that, that I do wonder about here is, you know, South Carolina may, you know, even without, a, you know, Juice Wells may be a, one of the best teams they play probably for a for a while. I mean, they go UAB, then Auburn, who I don't think, you know, they're not ready. Kentucky's okay. Vanderbilt just lost to UNLV. Um, you know, we talked about Florida. Look, Goodwin, by the way, from Missouri yesterday. They yes. got whipped last year by K State. They, they, you know, I, you know, talking to coaches inside the program late last week, they talked about how much that was driving them, and you could kind of feel an edge in Eli Drinkwitz after the game. And that's a really good win. Let's see if they, you know, how they build on it. But, um, you know, again, after watching Tennessee yesterday. You know, I don't, you know, you said you you don't want to write off LSU. I'm not ready to write off the 2023 20, Vols yet, but it was a, like an eye-opening showing there. It doesn't mean that they can't bounce back or that they won't grow from it. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I, I think this still is a year where I, you know, looking what the schedule sets up as, I feel like Georgia's just should run through the rest of the SEC because we've seen Alabama fall off so much. The question is going to be, you know, again, I think you're right about LSU. I, I, you know, I still think they are a team that has playoff potential. They um, had Logan Diggs last night. They didn't, I mean, yesterday they didn't well, have they didn't, him in yeah. that game against this, uh, Florida State. He had an They impact. were not healthy. Josh Williams was coming off a knee injury in camp. Logan Diggs was coming off a hamstring and also so those guys weren't 100 percent so yesterday john emery is finally back or is back from you know academic he's the most explosive back they've got so now all of a sudden they have depth in the running back room i also think it really helps that Jaden daniels this is the second time he saw zach arnett's defense and you know he saw it last year and did some good things but i think from everything i've heard from people i trust inside that staff they were like different guy this year and you know, he was, he was a biggest star as anybody yesterday, you know, as you said. So it's disappointing that the number one and two teams in the polls aren't really going to be tested until November. I was looking, I couldn't believe it when I looked at Michigan's schedule. They're playing Rutgers this week, finally a power five team at least. And Rutgers, by the way, looks better. They, they're three and oh, uh, they handled Virginia Tech. Granted, Virginia Tech, not very good. That might be the toughest, not toughest, let's just say that might be the best team possibly they face for a long time because then they play Nebraska. They play a Minnesota team that got blown out by UNC um, yesterday. They play Indiana, not good. 
Michigan State, walking disaster. Purdue, handled by Syracuse yesterday. Until you finally get to Penn State on November 11th. So I just, you know, we're sitting here nitpicking Georgia in the first half, but like, we don't really know if those are the top two teams. Won't really know if those are the top two teams, I think, until November. Yeah, uh, I agree. Before we move on, Bruce, uh, we, again, are excited about our new partner, Graduate Hotels, which has hotels at college towns all over the country. In fact, coincidentally, we had a friend over here on Friday night. We were talking about some of his travels. And he mentions he's a Yale grad. He mentioned staying at a Graduate Hotel in New Haven. They really are everywhere. They are. Um, we, I think I mentioned this before last year, our, our big noon crew, we stayed at one in in lovely Bloomington, Indiana, uh, right near that beautiful campus there at IU. We stayed at one in Lincoln, Nebraska, in Max Olson's backyard. Um, it's just very charming setup. If you if you love college towns, if you love that feel, I think the graduate hotels are just like they're just totally in line with that because I think they embrace all that kind of nostalgic vibe that so many people especially people our age do you know who may be in this you know we're not at the at the stage where we're going to visit kid our kids on campus yet but um i think this is something that that people if you're if you stay in one you will get what i'm talking about and they really go all out for football weekends live music pregame refreshments next morning helpers if you had a big night and where else would you find lamps shaped like school mascots Plus, the hotel is usually walking distance from the stadium. So here's what you do. Book a stay at Graduate Hotels and get up to 20% off plus 50 bucks to spend on food and drinks. Just use the code GRADFB. That's G-R-A-D-F-B. Book now at graduatehotels.com. Uh, yeah, I said it in passing, but walking walking uh, dumpster fire, Michigan State. First game without Mel Tucker yesterday. And by the way, I think Washington has been the most dominant team in the country through three games. And Michael Penix and his receivers are all that. But it was particularly br- – I mean, that's still a cross-country trip for them to face a Big Ten opponent. And that Big Ten opponent was just – I mean, they were, just, they were awful. There's no other way to put it. And it makes you wonder what the rest of the season is going to be like for them. Yeah, they look to be in disarray. It was 35 to nothing at half. Um Michael Penix had thrown for almost 400 yards at that point. They almost had three 100-yard receivers just in the first two quarters alone. Um, he threw for 473. He could have thrown for probably 973 if they, you know, if Calendar Board didn't pull back. Um, I don't, you know, like if you're a Michigan State fan, look, this they were 2-0 coming into the game. They had a, you know, nice win over Central Michigan. You know, they kind of thumped them a little bit. But I don't know. After watching that and seeing how much, I don't want you know, the, the, the Mel Tucker story and everything that's going on there with the university. I don't know how that, like how the players cope with that, because at one point, I'm sure a lot of these guys committed to a guy that they thought was as entrenched as anybody in the big 10. And now all of a sudden, you know, you have a program that's in complete disarray. Um, and again, their, their schedule, I don't know, you know, like you look at it and go, okay, you know, Maryland is pretty good. They're three and oh, I think, you know, like you look at Maryland, then at Iowa, you mentioned Rutgers undefeated, then they got Michigan. I mean, they may not win a, another game until mid-November. 
you know, the way this is setting up. And honestly, that's not the biggest story going on at the school. But I think for those players, um, man, they're, you know, they're going to have a lot of stuff swirling around them. And I think that it's, um, you know, like we talked about a lot in the right ramp up to the season of, of Northwestern and the chaos there. This is, I think, even, you know, it's, I think it's going to going to be even more of a mess if that's possible. In terms of Washington, I, I know SC gets more attention, but they're starting to feel to me like they're the team. I mean, there's a lot of good teams in the Pac-12. It's going to be very competitive. But I just think what Washington's doing, they're just an absolute machine on offense. Granted, Caleb Williams is too. But I'm I'm encouraged. You know, their defense wasn't terrible last year, but it wasn't what you would expect it to be. Look at what they've done so far this season. Uh, it's not the best competition. It's not. They Let's completely they shut not. down Boise State. They shut down Michigan State yesterday. There's not been a equivalent of USC putzing around against San, San Jose State. So can I clarify something for you though? You know, Boise State is not the Chris Peterson Boise State. They, they are not turning out to be. They have not been a, a top. They have not been an FBS program yet this year. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll you know, I'm not going to make any grand pr proclamations yet. You know, that game was on Peacock. Actually, it was my first time watching a college football game on Peacock. It was actually a very good broadcast from what I could tell. Um, but you know, I think Washington is kind of flying under the radar, even though, you know, they've got a star quarterback household name, just probably a lot of people haven't seen them yet. And um, they've been one of the most impressive teams. You know who else has been really impressive? Notre Dame. Sam Hartman, 13 TDs, no interceptions. They play Ohio State this week. But they struggled a little yesterday. Well, I think there was some moments where I think people expected them to be a little sharper early, right? Man, you are really nitpicking some teams well, this week. Was what was, was the score? 41-17? Yeah, but it was it was 21-14 at half. Um I don't know from just from the little vibe I got on it was like, you know, Central Michigan. Well, is it it's it makes for a good build up if if you believe they struggled a little bit yesterday. So are you ready to pick them overall? Ohio State, Kyle McCord had a great game. Um again, but it was against Western Kentucky. I'm not ready to pick a, a winner yet. I just think that it's, to me, it feels like, I think last year's game, Ohio State was a double-digit favorite, um, maybe even more than that. It feels like a much more even game to me. I would agree with that. And last year, it felt like it was almost, I don't want to say a moral victory, that, that um, you know, again, CJ Stroud was the quarterback for Ohio State at the time, and I felt like Notre Dame was very competitive in that game. You know, this is the... First time in a while where I think you look and go, okay, there's a clear edge in quarterback for the the Irish right now in this in this game. And you know, that's a that's a good starting point at the very least. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100 percent guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. All right, so I feel like we've been talking a lot about dumpster fires. That There's a, there's a pretty raging one 
in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Uh, Mike Gundy has been playing not two, but three quarterbacks, rotating through three quarterbacks, one of whom is his son. And it just blew up in spectacular fashion. Now, I know you're a big fan of South Alabama. They're a good group of five team. But you can't lose at home 33-7 to a Sunbelt team. That is a oof kind of moment. And I remember way back early in the offseason, you talking about, you know, things seem a little off at Oklahoma State. They they really had a rough second half of last season. Then Derek Mason bolts, Spencer Sanders bolts. Just so the receivers like, left the left as well. Seemed like, you know, this has been a very good program for I think he's been there for 18 years at this point, 18, 19 years. But uh, after yesterday, and frankly, they didn't even win that convincingly against Arizona State, who who seems to be bad. Um, it could be a long season for the Cowboys. Yeah. I mean, look, the three quarterback rotation is is odd. And, you know, I, I spent a bunch of time around Alan Bowman, who transferred back into the Big 12 from Michigan. And he was a, when he was healthy, he was a really good quarterback at Texas Tech. But they are just a. Um, I don't know. I think you're right there right now. It's a team that looks like it is really struggling to find an identity. Um, and it was a chaotic season off season for them in terms of guys they lost. And, you know, we'll see how much, you know, how much worse it gets. I mean, I don't feel like anybody looked at Oklahoma state and said, Oh yeah, they're going to be a top 15 kind of team. And usually those are years where he kind of can sneak up on somebody, but yeah, much worse than and look, the credit like Kane Womack is one of the best coaches in in Group of Five, and that's a big win. But it was just the ease which with which I mean they were blowing Oklahoma State out, um, and so yeah, if you're a, I think if you're an Oklahoma State fan, it doesn't help that you know the school you hate the most is looking like they're bouncing back, and that's Oklahoma before they leave, and. I don't know. I, I wonder at this point you wonder is like, okay, is Mike, Mike Gunny's been there a long time. He definitely does everything his own way and has for a long time. Do they, do people sit there and go, how much longer does he really want to be the head coach, you know, of this program? And, you know, is he not to say, is he all in? I don't want to question that, but just like, you know, in this day and age, it is a grind all year round to 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 manage a roster and feed a program and if this is like was this a is this a bump in the road or is this one where it's like okay you know maybe maybe oklahoma state people need to be thinking about you know who's the next guy they want to run the program you know again we'll see we have to see it's it's early but this was like this was kind of a shocking you know butt kicking for the cowboys in stillwater and, you know, we'll see how they respond if it's if they bounce back or if not, or if it's going to be a really long season. You know, again, we talk about people who do things their own way. And, you know, it's worked out really well for Mike Gundy for a long time as the coach there. And he's won a lot of games. But something just didn't seem does. You know, something seems a little off right now. The crazy thing is it was only two years ago, 2021. They went 12 and two beat Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl, finished seventh in the country. You remember the Big 12 championship game? They were like a half yard from winning that game. You know, they got stuffed at the goal line on the last play by Baylor. 
if they win that game, I think they would have been in the playoffs. So it's a pretty sharp descent from that moment. Seven and six last year, two and one this year. I think the saving grace might be, you know, we spent a lot of time criticizing the, the SEC. I think the Big 12, unfortunately for them, unfortunately for Brett Yormark, that the two best teams in the league in the last year of Texas and Oklahoma might be Texas and Oklahoma. Um, now, BYU, big win at Arkansas yesterday. Kudos to them. Keaton Slovis um, looks like he's been a good fit there. The mighty Kansas Jayhawks are 3-0. Uh, UCF's 3-0, but man, elsewhere, Cincinnati lost to Miami of Ohio yesterday. You know, obviously K-State lost to Mizzou. I still think K-State's pretty good. Um, Baylor's 1-2. Iowa State, I nailed my upset special of Ohio over Iowa State, but even then, I would not imagine they would lose 10-7. to Houston's bad. It's, you know, I'm, I'm not entirely surprised. A lot of Quarterbacks cycled out of that conference from last year to this year, but there's not a lot. There's not a lot of um, depth there, to say the least. No, I know. I watched a lot of the BYU. Um, well, I saw it of the BYU Arkansas game. It was interesting because sometimes you listen to a broadcast and you're like, "Man, it sounds like there's a lot of fans for the for the." Uh, and we know BYU has a not just national but a global fan base. But I was like, "Man, there seems like there are a lot of BYU fans here." Um, you know, and it was it was an entertaining game. I'll say this because there was a couple of things when you watched Arkansas, you're like, you have the biggest quarterback in college football and it's fourth and one or it's like it's a short yardage. And this guy can run and he's, he, you know, he's not under center. And there were some times there were some like little, I don't want to say head scratching things, but just stuff that like, man, I felt like they did not help themselves when they could have. And as you said, like Slovis had a rocky, rocky start. His receivers. I don't, know, I don't know if you saw any of this, but he had two receivers make two amazing catches, one for a touchdown, another one for a big play where, I mean, he gives them a chance and there's a couple of balls he throws, which are like just, you know, at some point he'll get drafted next year. I'm guessing it'll probably be in the, you know, somewhere in the third to fifth round or something, but there are throws in there like, okay, I'll see that when they, when, you know, NFL Network's talking about him, just, just really on the money. And we'll see. Uh, I don't think, I don't think BYU is going to be a, a top 25 team at the end of the year, but I could definitely see them winning eight games. Um, you know, so it was, he's, I don't know. It, it was one of those games. It was in that time slot where you're like, what am I watching now? Because Florida, Georgia, Florida, Tennessee is not, you know, is not competitive right now. And it was just like kind of a, a wild day to sit on the couch as I flew back from Colorado and just channel surfed all, all over the map. I end up watching more of Vanderbilt UNLV than I would have imagined. That was a crazy ending. Uh, you, Vanderbilt missed what would have been the game-winning, or probably the game-winning field goal, and then UNLV goes down and in like two plays gets into field goal range, and they kick the winning field goal. Uh, Barry Odom having an immediate impact, I think, at UNLV. Also yesterday, almost got lost in the shuffle, Florida State very nearly blew it at Boston College. Uh, they were up 31-10. They end up holding on 31-29. You know how everybody holds up the 2007 season as like the standard of chaos. And obviously we, that produced a two-loss champion. I don't think we're there yet. I don't know if we ever will be that again. But a recurring theme as I'm, I'm realizing as we're talking through this is like everybody looks vulnerable. 
Florida State, number three team in the country, looked very vulnerable yesterday. Texas was tied, uh, I believe, through three quarters with Wyoming before pulling away. Uh, we're nitpicking Georgia. We don't know anything about Michigan, so I'll leave them out of it. Uh, interesting. We'll get a good gauge on Ohio State this week. Penn State has been fairly dominant. Notre Dame, I mentioned. I mean, I guess Penn State will not want to see John, Johnny Newton anymore at the time because it seemed like every time you looked up, Johnny Newton was causing them problems. But um, it's a good, you know, honestly, any any win against a team against you know in, in your conference, I think where it's a road one and you come away winning and covering, it's probably a probably good enough road win. I mean, that's the thing. I don't like. I it's tough to win on the road against anybody and. That was that to me, that's a perfectly good win for Penn State. And I'm always going to look at things a little bit differently. Maybe, I mean, Tennessee hasn't won in the swamp in 20 years. So maybe they'll look better when they're not playing in the swamp. Road games are tough, but um, it's not so much that. It's I don't I don't care if you win by seven or twenty-seven when you're going on the road in conference. By the way, just to just to touch back on the how big of a deal. CU is um so uh, you know teams are NFL teams are doing their their uh warm-ups now and the Ravens uh Baltimore Ravens official account has posted something where Odell Beckham Jr. is warming up wearing a Travis Hunter t-shirt <laughs> you'd almost never have an NFL player especially one who uh, you know at one point was a megastar in the league wearing the t-shirt of a college player yeah, they, I mean, pe- pe- people are rooting for them. Cardell Jones, I still follow on Twitter, the former Ohio State quarterback, kind of random. He was like live tweeting during that game last night as if he played for Colorado. They, they, a lot of people have rallied around Dion and that whole mystique. Now, a lot of people are also now rooting against them. Uh, that's how it works when somebody gets a lot of hype. People want to see them knocked down. So, That'll continue to be a, a story for sure. Should we do shout outs? Yes, I was going to suggest that as well. You want me to go first? Yes. All right. My shout out is going to be to the South Alabama Jaguars. As we mentioned early on the podcast, they crushed Mike Gunny's Oklahoma State team in Stillwater. Um, Kane Womack's team last year went to UCLA and almost beat the Bruins. And that's obviously a long road trip to go from Mobile to, to the Rose Bowl. They didn't win that game, but it was close. Carter Bradley, by the way, you know, I think people know this. His, his dad is a longtime NFL coach, Gus Bradley. Good quarterback. And this is a good team. This is a very good group of five team. They showed it. Um, I had always thought Womack was at, was at IU when Tom Allen had it rolling. He was his defensive coordinator. I think you will see him at some point as an SEC head coach. He's a second-generation coach. His dad was a defense coordinator all over the place, very aggressive D.C., um, a name for people to remember. All right, can I have two? Sure. Spread the loves, too. Okay. First of all, in the offseason, I did a story about Army switching from the under-center, you know, traditional triple option that you see service academies generally play to a shotgun offense because of rule changes. And there, of course, layers his concerns, like can you actually, can Army actually do what it likes to do playing that style of offense? Well, Friday night against UTSA, they held the ball for 
44 minutes and 25 seconds. They did not have a turnover and they did not commit a penalty in beating UTSA 37 to 29. A very encouraging result for Jeff Mocken against a very good group of five team. The last, the second one's more uh, off the field. All right. I don't, we don't usually do this, but we have a very avid listener and today is her birthday. So shout out to Laura McKenzie on her birthday. Your sister, Rebecca, let me know, alerted me and asked if, if we could do this. And I said, of course, anything for a loyal listener. So happy birthday. Stu, I feel like you've become the morning uh, school radio guy now who does this announcements. <laughs> no, I mean... It's, it's, <laughs> I, I get the analogy. No, special occasion. Always happy to. She said, uh, Rebecca says it's going to make her day. I hope that's the case. We hope you have a great day. As always, the second episode this week will be emails. Send your questions to the audiblepod at gmail.com. Also, just an amazing slate of games next week. We'll have to um, start, start talking about those as we get to the second episode of the week. We'll see you next time. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.